This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello everybody and welcome to the Homestale Radio. Oh, what the f*** happened there? Homestale Radio. Do you remember that? Do you remember that? Do you remember it? Oh, back in the day. Yeah. yeah. Hello and welcome to the Back of the Nest Review Show. My name is Chris Hambling and I am here with uh, Mike Scott and Chris Clark. A little bit different. It will sound a little bit different to our usual shows because this is really a, a warm-up um, for us to be back properly uh, with the next game. And, um, well, I guess I think what we're going to do is look back at the Christmas period that we've missed. Um some interesting games, perhaps not as many points as we were hoping, and you know certainly some some areas of concern, not least the the injuries. But um, before we get into the, the details, talk about the games, talk about our experiences over that period, and just have a, a general look at some of your questions and some of the transfer rumours. We will, of course, have a little chat amongst ourselves first because we're, we're a bit rusty, as you can probably tell from my intro. And you'll you'll definitely would have told if we'd kept the bit where I called us Homesdale Radio in, so which we won't. Uh, but first up, Mr. Mike Scott, hello, hello, how are you? I'm good. Happy New Year, everyone, and all of that jazz. Um, I have just had my kids. For the last week or so, um, I even missed the Derby game today. I had to watch it on the TV because I just got home in time for it. Um, and I am fairly frazzled, so I'm enjoying a beer and relaxing. Good stuff. Uh, I've got a lovely gin and tonic uh, in front of me. Got some wonderful gin from my uh, from my brother and sister-in-law at uh, Christmas. A, a lovely Sipsmith slow gin. Got some uh, aromatic tonic with it. Um, I don't know if it's connected to the constant heartburn I've got at the moment, but I'm not going to worry about it. I'm going to talk to Chris Clark instead. Hello, Chris. Hello, comrade. You all right? I'm marvellous. How much alcohol have you consumed today? Um, a number of beers. I haven't been counting, to be honest. Um, but we went to the craft beer cabin and the Kronk's bar. Um, although the Kronk's bar wasn't open, annoyingly, so we had to go to places in Box Park, but it was good. Oh, good stuff. So um, on the day of recording, it's the day of the FA Cup game against Derby. Um, you were there, Chris, right? Yeah. Uh, 
yeah. <laughs> sound really upbeat, right? Um, actually, it yeah. was a really fun afternoon, genuinely, just being among the ultras, just jumping up and down. I've got mates who hadn't been in that section before who loved it. And, yeah, I, I, I had a really nice day. I mean, you know, obviously Shrek's team beats us in the end, and that's annoying, but whatever. You know, we can carry on with the league, can't we? I can only guess who you're referring to when you say Shrek. <laughs> Before we go on to that, um, I just want to bring up probably the most important thing that's happened back of the nest-wise um, in the time we've been away. And it's a long-standing discussion between us about um, which is the superior drink between uh, Vinto and Ribena. So uh, a few days ago, did put it out to the masses on Twitter. Um, 656 of you uh, made your comments on um, which of the drinks was finer. And Ribena ended up with 73.8% of the votes. So you're talking about the, the kind of win that you would have if you had a popularity vote between Goita and Hennessy. So um, as an advocate for Ribena, along with DR, um, I would say that um, the Derby victory, the Derby defeat has been totally overshadowed by the uh, the victory for Ribena. So uh, I just want Hambo to comment on that before we get into the games, really. Mm, I know Chris wants to comment as well, but, you know, we don't really get political on this show. So I'm going to have to be quite vague about this because um, I don't want to, you know, give the show a reputation one way or the other. But I, I found I find sometimes when you look at the t- votes and you look at the, the types of people that are on one side and the types of people that are on the other, I think that itself tells a story. Um, and I'm very happy with the side I chose, the Vimto <laughs> side. Um, lots of support from some wonderful people. You all know who you are. Um, and listen, those of you talking about Ribena in a positive light, if you can honestly tell me it doesn't make you more thirsty to drink it, then fair play to you. All right, fair play. You can lie to yourself. That's fine. But, um, you know, I think personally I'm taking a moral victory for Vinto. And Hambo's kind of touched on the point I wanted to make, which is that sometimes it's not appropriate to ask people what they think and you need to just tell them what the right answer is. And, you know... I'm not looking at any recent political examples, you know, either in June 2016 or December 2019. Right, right. On on that note, right, let's, let's get to <laughs> like, Edit point out, Labour councillor Chris Clark there. Edit point, edit point. <laughs> right, we'll, we'll keep it in, but um, yeah, talk, talk us through the Derby game. I mean, um, for, for me... Do we, want to, I, do we really want to start. With that, well, it's, it's it's most recent in our minds. Um, I take a couple of the positives from it. Um, first ten minutes of either half, um, Pierre looked really good. Um, him and Wickham got together for a, a really fine chance. Start of the first half. Um, I mean, it shows we've got our injuries, um, and we've got a fairly a fairly thin squad before those injuries. So no no big problem. And and for me it's the first season I've not really cared about us going out in the FA Cup. Um when we've been doing badly it's been um something for the season to, to cling on to. Um and when we've been doing um well and had a run in the cup, um I've been very excited about it. But this season I feel like we we we're doing decent in the league and, and that will do me. I, I don't know about you you gentlemen. Well, I just want to make one point with it, really, and that's 
I think when when Roy was talking about the game beforehand, he was talking about the the injury list and and people have been playing through injuries, and he really did set the tone for us putting out an experimental lineup, one that we would none of us would have expected to win the game, and I think we'd have been fine with the result and even the performance the way it went had Roy really properly backed up those suggestions. But what we actually saw was Roy selecting players that, that were a risk. And, you know, we, we picked up two more injuries, Max Mayer, although one probably I would have said would have started anyway, but obviously Gyro going off injured as well, leaving us with no um, fit left back. And, it, you know, that unfortunately starts to highlight, you know, the decision-making. And then obviously it leads you into looking more and more at the decision-making within the game. So, again, take, looking at the, the lineup we put out, the back four especially, uh, but also, you know, in the, in the midfield there, there wasn't too much of a change in terms of, of, of a first-team midfield. It was only really MacArthur that was rested. You, you kind of think, well, if you're going to... We ended up being about halfway between putting out an experimental lineup and putting out a strong team. And I think, unfortunately, what happens there is that the team we put out was much more capable of a better performance than we saw. And I'm, <laughs> again, I say using the word unfortunately, but unfortunately, again... It was a terrible, I mean, a terrible first-half performance. But the, the first 10 minutes, like you say, Mike, where it looked like we were going to go on the attack, I think we just lost the momentum. We sort of stepped back so, so deep in that first half and just invited Derby onto us, and they just grew in confidence. And if it was a one-off and it was because we've had these injuries and because you know we've selected a, a weakened team or whatever, I think it's, re- it's much easier to stomach. But unfortunately, you know, you go back to last season, we were doing a, making a joke of, of Roy, and his um, post-match press conferences saying, oh, well, it was better in the second half. I think he did it something like 17 out of 20 of the games that we happened to pick. Um, and that wasn't, you know, they weren't selected for that reason. They were just, it was just the most recent 20 games in, in 17 of them, his post-match, post-match comments said, that we'd improved in the second half. So it's much more than just team selection and injuries. It's that game plan, that attitude that we go into these games with. And, you know, Roy talked post-match about, being disappointed with the performance in the first half. Well, I think, unfortunately, even if they did sort of reach the levels that Roy was expecting, it's still a very passive, very, you know, slow, ponderous setup that we have in in, in a first half of all of our matches. And unfortunately, it does give confidence and belief to our opponents. And and we saw that very much against Derby. Passive is is definitely the word. Um... And it, it, it illustrates between that game and, and the Norwich game that, that when a side sits back, we've discussed it before, uh, we find it immensely difficult to break them down. And, and usually Zahar's the man that does it, occasionally Andros. Um, today went for a few more crosses, but they tended to come from Wickham. Um, and really, he should have been the man in the middle um, taking them on. So um, the slow build-up play... It's tough and it's something that you try and follow sides like Man City when they do it. And and when you've got a half second string team out, it's no surprise that you just look toothless and, and going at snail's pace. And Derby were the same because they had nine changes apparently from, from their last league game. So, um, you know, they, they were not a side that was finely tuned either. Uh, but what that maybe suggests is maybe we should have done better. Most frustrating. No, what um what I was going to say was it you know the, the interesting part for me is 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 this kind of attitude that we've all had and, and we want to sort of see the positives in it and I understand you know from 
for the sort of positive side of things, you know, it was, there were some interesting choices today. It was, a, it was a you know slight shift in the system, and then we changed it again at half time, and we started moving players around. And we're getting, you know, they, giving Connor Wickham, you know, a, a match to to try and get back up to speed because he is off the pace. You know, even though he got the goal against Norwich, there's some good things that went on in the game. But I think, you know, my my feeling is always that sometimes. I've said it before and it is a cliche, but sometimes attacking is your best form of defence. Sometimes committing players and taking risks, it takes that little bit of added pressure off the, the, the back line. And um, particularly when that back line's either been injured or playing through an injury or, you know, haven't really played together that much. But I suppose that's another thing in, in the defence of Roy and defence of the team. You know, we saw a few people play together who have never played together before. Um, and it's not easy to suddenly become a cohesive unit in, in you know under the pressure of trying to win a football match. It, you know, so we do have to be a little bit forgiving there. And I think the trouble we we have with that is it's all the games that sort of come before it, and you, you get this kind of momentum built up of dissatisfaction, uh, particularly with first half performances, and unfortunately it heightens um, the issues in a game like today. On the theme of forgiving. The one thing I want to bring up is is Lucas sending off. There was some vitriolic stuff on Twitter um, after he got sent off and then things about him being crap for a while and, and making poor decisions and that kind of thing. Uh, my argument would be if you had Tom Huddleston in front of you acting like that, I'd punch him as well. Um, so I, I don't think you can say you um, wouldn't do the same thing. Um, what, what was the reaction in the stadium, Chris, to, to Luca? I, I, were people still backing him? Or presumably they were. Absolutely they were. Um, I mean, I think a significant part of that was because they didn't show the key part of what happened because what we saw was there was a replay on the big screen. Obviously, you know, I'm situated in the homestyle, all the people I was with were in the homestyle, and we saw the big screen, and it showed Luca opening his chest out and, yeah, nodding at the other guy, but not doing anything untoward. So, and I said at the time, there must have been something before that, or this is an absolute travesty. So, clearly, based on what you've just described in terms of a punch, that kind of makes the point. No, no, there, was, there wasn't a punch. It was just Mike suggesting what he would do. What you're talking about, was it? That's it. There was apparently a headbutt from, from the he camera He nodded angle. his head. Yeah, I mean, it... it... Uh, nah. Sorry, I sound like DR. Um, <laughs> excuse me. Nah. I am I'm choking because of Chris's nah. Nah. You nah. should have been followed up with a fam. Yeah, nah, fam. Um, but anyway, no, look, that, that's really all it was. I mean, it... No, to describe the incident in full, you know, there was a coming together and Luca had sort of barged him in the back a couple of times during that. There was clearly a bit of needle between them throughout the course of the game. But that's all it was. Luca wow. sort of a little bit late, shoulder in the back. Uh, so Huddleston sort of responded and they both ended up on the deck, um, legs wrapped around each other. And Huddleston clearly has two kicks at him, not hard kicks, but just prods with the foot. And the second one is prod, prods him in the balls with the Ooh. foot. And Luca, at that point, Luca reacts and gets up. So he's holding his shirt, pulls him, pulls him down as he gets up. They're pushing each other. And it's unfortunately, what he has got sent off for is the lean of the head towards him. Now, it isn't a headbutt, you know, and I'm, <laughs> anyone who has delivered or received a headbutt will know that's no. not a headbutt. It is, you know, it's, 
it's an aggressive motion with the head towards a player, and that's what they've sent him off for the intent of that. And I think what I will say um, in, in amongst Chris's uh, <laughs> exhalations and reactions, oh, sorry, um, what I'll say, I've deliberately yeah, kept yeah. my mic open. To, um, just is the, I think it's stupid. I think you know, again, the captain of the team. It's, it's an idiotic thing to do in in the context of a game that we're losing, trying to get back in, to allow yourself to be wrapped up in your own little battle. Um, um, I think perhaps some of that came from frustration that, that he wasn't having a great game. Uh, but I'm not one who subscribes to the to the drop Luca situation. But we've got no choice now. He'll be out. He'll be out for three games. You're not completely wrong that it was stupid. But I th- I think it was stupid from the ref. Because um, that wasn't sending off for me, but there you go. Well, opinion. You know, the refs, the refs done what we've asked him to do, and it, you know, he's, he's sort of made history today, which is not the history we really wanted. But he listened to the advice and the, the chat being given to him in his ear, and he went and looked at the screen at the side and and made a call. And he's, you know, he's, Lucas, the first person to receive that type of. And he looked and he got it wrong. Well, the only the only thing I would say in that is again, you, you know, he's looked, but he's seen a specific camera angle, isn't he? And it doesn't look good from the angle he saw it. But well, let's use that um, as the catalyst for discussing the players that we've lost over this this break. Well, it sounds like I'm talking about people that have died, but um, <laughs> the, the the players that we've we've lost to injury, well, now suspension as well. Um, so today, um, as you say, we've lost we've lost Maya. Um, it looks like we possibly lost Riedeveld as well, which is a, a massive blow. Um, we lost Sacco the other day. Who else have we lost since the last time we've podded? Um, are any of um, new injuries? I think well, Schlepp was already out, wasn't yep. he? Um, PVA went, didn't he, um, against West Ham? Oh, PVA against West Ham, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, so, um, you know, we, we're talking about... Um, and I, It was a desecrated defence the last time we podded, but... Um, we're now really, really down to. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if Woods was was starting um, against against Arsenal, and that is a serious state of affairs. Definitely. So I think, but when we last recorded, we just come off the back of the Brighton game, didn't we? If I'm right in saying. I think we might have decided we were so annoyed that we wouldn't bother podding about that either. But... <laughs> oh, we took our holidays after uh, just just after Brighton, did we? So I don't I don't really necessarily want to talk too much about the Brighton game. Um, it was you know obviously nice to to sort of come back and get a point, wasn't it? Um, but again, performance wasn't great. Um, but you know Newcastle, I think, was where a lot of the angst that we're currently experiencing sort of happened because. We come off the back of being a little bit disappointed about how we played against Brighton, but we went into that game and we actually played pretty well. It was, you know, not a great first half again, but it was it was better than we'd seen. And you know, we'd seen Max Mayer come off the bench against Brighton and, and have a real impact. And in the second half against Newcastle, we were really on the the upper foot. Upper foot is that a thing? We we're you know, uh, <laughs> we not, were we had the upper hand be. on the front foot. Um... On the, yeah. Anyway, we were we were playing well, <laughs> and we looked like we were going to score, you know, score any minute. But as it went on and on and on, you got to that point where, you know, we were thinking we've got to we've got to do something here. We've got to make a change, do something different. But you know, Roy's philosophy is if it's going well, you won't change it. And a lot of people repeated that, and you know, Roy even said it after the game. Well, unfortunately, you come off the back of a, a, a situation against Brighton where a substitute changed the game. 
You know, we didn't see that level of positivity. We didn't see a substitution in a proactive sense. And what happened when Almiron scored a goal after, you know, you know what it's like with Palace. If you talk before the game against a player who's not scored in 40-odd games or whatever, he's going to score against you. That's just how it works. Um, and, he, he, you know, he nicked that goal. And it was only then, 83 minutes or whatever, that Roy decided to make that positive change. And I think people started to see that as, you know, really hanging us out to dry. Um, but that's really my recollection. The Newcastle game is a game we played well, but, um, you know, some key game management decisions lost it for us, in my opinion. It was an absolute verbatim copy of, I think it was last season, where we lost 1-0 and they scored in the 86th minute. And I just, I knew it was going to happen. Um, and I'm, I'm sad to say um, that I wasn't, I wasn't that bothered just because those Newcastle games, they always seem to be sorted by one goal either way. And, I just sort of expected that we were going to lose that one. Um, I mean, we've ended up with, I think we're at the moment after 21 games, we've won seven, drawn seven, lost seven. Um, And sometimes we just look like a a team that could play for three hours and not score. And that was one of those games. Um, It's worth bringing in Chris here, who went up there um, and had an even worse weekend than he would have had just from the result. Um, Worth filling us in there, Chris. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Yeah, thanks, comrade. The the I mean, it was a terrible weekend in a lot of respects. But thing is, you go up to that place, and it, it's actually it's a really cool town. It's really worth mentioning the point. If you haven't been to Newcastle away, go to Newcastle away. I'm really recommending it. Um, don't fly because carbon emissions and all that. Get the train. Do that and enjoy the town because there's lots of good pubs there's lots of good things to see it's brilliant except for the game the game was awful awful and i mean apart from anything else i was feeling so ill so ill at the time of the game and and that's not un yeah i mean people who listen will know that i i have a tendency to have a hangover at some point during a football weekend, I didn't or to have still be drunk. Yeah, well, I mean, I wish, I wish I'd still been drunk or that I'd had a hangover that weekend. I was just ill as a dog. And 
some people who were there at the Boxing Day game will know that that continued till then. So it it lasted, believe me. Um, Newcastle, great town. It's a really great place. Um, the game was terrible. And oh, you could just see it was the crushing inevitability of us losing that. And I didn't think we were the worst team, to be honest. They weren't anything special. Yeah, they beat us because we made mistakes, and that's what it is. Mm. So, I mean, in, in in conclusion, Newcastle's a great town. It's a great place. There's lots to do. There's the pubs, isn't there? You mentioned the pubs, Chris. Pubs, pubs. And you said that. Yeah. And then you said then there's lots of things to see. Um, any of those there's, things that you want? Cathedral, <laughs> cathedral. Go and see the cathedral. Go and see the covered did, market. Did you go to see the cathedral? I'm conscious it didn't have a bar. So, did you? I did. You did, yeah. Okay, all right. Well, I'm, I'll give you some. I'll give you some credit. <laughs> um, no, it, it, you know, I think you, you can't really say anything other than it was a terrible game. I'm, I was hoping for a slightly more graphic description of how ill you were, but I'm sorry, I'll hand it over tonight. Yeah, you don't want that. Look, I, we're not going to be political. Wait for Boxing Day. We're not going to be. Po- Wait for Boxing Day. We're not going to be political, and that involves not using the word comrade. We've had enough comments being told told we shouldn't. So um, let's let's drop that as well. Um, but no anti comrades. No. But um, the, the 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 three games together, um, Newcastle, Southampton, and West Ham, I think kind of illustrate the uh, the seven wins, seven draws, seven losses well because um, it was Newcastle was absolutely dire and then the game after that um we stole an amazing victory um and and the margins of error between a 1-0 defeat and a 2-1 win are fairly minimal um so i you know this is what you're going to get from Hodgson um he plays for a 0-0 as we've discussed before away um and it's not always going to work but you can't really argue with the fact that you, you don't expect the, the kind of defeat that we had against Newcastle to happen twice in a row. I mean, occasionally it does, but um, nobody went into that West Ham game thinking, oh, we've definitely lost. Um, so it, it was it was just a bad day at the office, I think. Yeah, absolutely right. And, you know, you know, getting into the West Ham game, you know, that was the real bright spot of this, this holiday period. I mean, you know, we were, we were all together, weren't we, for the first time in a while. I was there. You were there, Mike. Chris was there yeah. for some of it. Um, <laughs> and then uh, Dr. Kernas, good old Dr. Kernas. So let's give him a shout now because of the video work that he is doing on YouTube. So check out the Back of the Nest YouTube channel. Dr.'s doing so much work on that, and he's doing it pretty much all himself. Um, I'll talk more about that when we when we talk about the trip to Norwich. Um, but I really want to push you in the general direction. Do subscribe to our YouTube t- channel. Uh, there's some great stuff on there. You get. They are and, and Harvey's videos, but you also get opposition um, videos. They're sort of previewing the game, uh, and I was on it this this you know within the re- most recent videos as well. So that's always worth seeing. Counting my chins, as uh, they always chooses a really flattering angle to video at. So good stuff. Sorry, Mike, you wanted to jump in. And um, we'll try and uh, we'll, we'll make sure we'll link them all up on Twitter. If you're not really a YouTube person, I, um, you know I, I myself not not really into subscribing to stuff on YouTube too often, but um, we'll, we'll link them all up and we'll stick them up in the same way that we put up uh, the pods on Twitter. Um, the, going back to the West Ham game, 
um, when we all met up, it was the first time that Chris, uh, speaking of his gins, had uh, shaved off his beard. And I'd seen it once, uh, first time in a while. I'd seen it once before, uh, pretended not to uh, to recognise him. Uh, Chris actually didn't recognise him, which is incredible, uh, and thought there was a random man sitting in our seats. So I literally um, said, where's Hambo? It's worth just bringing that up. And no, he was there? Yeah. Come on, Hambo, comment. I know, I do look... I do look very different without my beard, and you know I don't like shaving it off because, you know I'm, I'm you know I'm forty this year, and you know my face is starting to let me down a little bit, and it's best to hide it behind the beard sometimes. But uh, but I thought it was really nice uh, seeing seeing everybody again, all in all in, all in our rightful places, uh, and we chose a great game to do that. Really, um, not that the first half was great, and there's a theme for you, um, but you know we we did okay. Um, second half performance levels went up, but obviously went a goal down. Um, so um, I, I'm very, very disappointed with that. And, and the source, in fact, it was a it was a very good goal, and Snodgrass scored it, and he gets you know pelters from the West Ham fans usually. Um, but you know, you sort of saw that, and you kind of feared the worst. But you know, to come back the way we did, obviously, you know. The equaliser, we're, we're very, very happy with, um, with, with a nod, nod back from Coyote to, uh, sorry, from Ayu to Coyote, great equaliser. And he kind of thought that was it. He didn't really expect us to go on. And then, my God, Jordan Ayu. Oh, oh, yeah. You know, this has been my favourite bit of the show because I get to talk about this. Uh, and I'm sure you'll all want, all want to talk about it as well. But when Wickham sort of picked the ball up on the, on the, the right wing and knocked it back to him, I just, you know, nothing was going on in my head in terms of we're going to get a, we're going to get a chance to score here because we don't create many chances, and it was that, you know, pretty late on in the game. But he just started running, and I vividly rec- recollect shouting, "Oh my god!" as he as he sort of did his three sixty spin, and then I said it again when he went past the two defenders in the blink of an eye, and then a third time as he chipped the keeper, and it's the weirdest celebration of a goal I think I've ever had. I just sort of had my head in my hands shouting, oh, oh my God, I turned around to celebrate with Mike. And Mike was com- just completely laid out on the floor, which I'm not really sure how that happened, Mike, but it was uh, it was great. It was great to see. The amount of bruises on my sins um, since I've stood in E-Block this season, um, they're just constantly absolutely battered. That's the second time I've lost my footing. And after a goal, anyone that's sort of my height and, and lanky, um, skinny and lanky like myself uh, knows that you, you have a pretty high centre of gravity um, and you're not too elegant. So falling over, it's not, you know you can't you get used to it. Um, after the IU goal, I went over the seat behind me and then stretched onto the seat behind that. Um, it was it was better than the last time I fell over backwards because there was a kid there last time and I knocked him over. So this time I, I you know it was a it was a decent sized adult human being so they weren't quite so annoyed um but yeah uh it was absolutely flat out um as that goal deserved uh really proper proper limbs um the other two things i've got to mention from that is that there was a stat going around earlier on twitter um from a a, a site that i'd not seen before um i've forgotten their name apologies whoever it is um saying that we actually hadn't scored in the first half in open play since august the 24th against man united um, so the, the, the West Ham going 1-0 up, uh, no real surprise, but we've got form of, of coming back from them 
um, wasn't it a couple of years ago with the, the two all and the 97th minute goal, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, and the other thing I wanted to mention, well, earlier in the season as yeah. well. So earlier in the season we beat him. Yeah, we did. Yeah, that, uh, and then um, the other thing I wanted to mention was. Kuate not celebrating. Um, it was a great goal. Uh, MacArthur's ball over, as you say, I use header, so a goal and assist in the game. Absolutely perfect game for him. Uh, but Kuate, quality, slotted it away, then very classily didn't celebrate. Um, full credit to him. I would have liked to have seen him celebrate just to get the, you know, see the West Ham fans get even more salty. Uh, Chris, I know you, you didn't get a chance to comment on your uh, your reaction to are you scoring. Was it because you weren't was there? I mean, you were there. I mean, were people who were following this on Twitter or elsewhere may have gathered that I wasn't in sight of the pitch at the time. And sadly, this wasn't due to me having a beer um, and therefore not being allowed to be in sight of the pitch. Um, it Initially, frankly, I thought it was because I'd had too much beer and I was so ill. But actually, it turned out that my mum was similarly ill the same day so there was clearly some kind of family thing going around over Christmas that meant that both of us were so 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 ill I'm not going to go into any more graphics about that but um, I didn't get to see the goal and I'm sick as a dog as a result of this I very much enjoyed because it was in the first half um, probably about 10 minutes before half time you know, we're sort of jumping around and charting in a way. And then you just did the that thing where, you know, we could all tell something was up because you just sort of stopped dead and then you were a bit pale and then you just hurtled up the stairs without saying a word. It was like, okay, all right. Um, but then I think <laughs> in the second half, your face, I don't know. I don't know. I don't go and drink, do I? So, I, you know, I'm, I'm a good boy. But your um your second exit was uh, similarly amusing as well because I mean by that time you'd lost all the colour in your face and was sort of there was sweat rolling off of you. It was, it was good times, but clearly, you know, if we're if, you know f- football fans, we're a superstitious bunch. So if you could try to get food poisoning for uh, every single home game, that would be hugely appreciated. Can I just add a little bit of context to this? Um, I'd actually met Chris uh, much earlier um, for a couple of beers, and it's the second or third time that we've not had time to eat anything. So, uh, you know, a fair amount of lager was consumed without any food. So on top of feeling rough, that's, um, it's not surprising that it it takes a, it it takes real need to have to go into the gents uh, cubicle in the lower homestale to puke. Um, I mean, you've got to be, Sick to take that on, so um, yeah, right. yeah horrible right. image. Um, and no All doubt I'm that would make you sick, lager. even if you were as well as anyone could be. Okay, good. I do want to talk more about Jordan Ayu, um, because we've got this opportunity to do yes. that, and you know, the, the, the skill, um, the, the pace, the power, the coolness of the finish. You know, it's been talked about. We've watched it over and over, but we still will never be able to do that justice. Um, but this, you know, there's lots of jokes. You know, Messi wears Jordan Ayew pajamas, all that kind of stuff. But really, it, it's just such a huge credit to him. And and also, you've got to give credit to the club. You know, Dougie went and got him from Swansea. Roy was keen to get him uh, on the season long loan. None of us realistically thought we would keep him. 
because he didn't have the best of seasons. We liked him because he was a trier. We could see there's ability there. But obviously, you know, he'd scored a scored at least one goal, <laughs> great header against Grimsby. But you know, we saw we saw the signing in the summer. We thought for two and a half million, great squad player. But we've got so much more than that. He's such so much a better footballer than than anyone really has given him credit for up until now. And we're just seeing a, a confident, happy, settled footballer who's producing some of his best play. And I really love seeing that. I love a good, you know, cult hero to come out of, you know, sort of negativity and just to sort of prove people wrong. Um, I also love the fact that he clearly loves being at Palace and is playing so hard for the shirt. You know, we've talked about the Derby game. Again, he came out of that game with immense credit for just working so hard, playing in a slightly unfamiliar position. He just never gives anything but his all. And it's, it's great to have him about. I was going to mention the Derby game today um, while it's while it's fresh in my memory. Um, yeah, I mean, Hodgson's obviously a fan of, of, of versatile players. And IU was certainly that, you know, left the midfield today. Um, I said, probably Palace's best player. Um, you know, doesn't have the, the threat going round players. Um, in quite the same way as Saha or probably even thinking back to Bakary Sako. Um, but for a backup uh, left midfielder, you know, he, he seems the obvious choice compared with, you know, p- playing um, someone like MacArthur over there. Um, and there was one point where a long ball came over um, fr- from behind, fr- over his shoulder um, from the defenders. Um, I can't remember which defender it was. And he just... Um, he just sort of shimmied it um, behind his back with his his foot to stop it going off for a throw to keep it in play and keep possession. Um, just like a little pirouette up in the air, and it was absolutely beautiful. Um, probably probably that the only part of the game I can remember thinking, yes, this this was very cool. Um, he is he's obviously a confidence player because um, when his confidence was down last season, you could see his head go down more. Um, but many attacking players are, you know, Benteke is very much the same. Um, in in that respect, so um, I, the last few games he's done even more to cement himself as an absolute cult hero. And I think since probably Joel Ward at four hundred grand, there's been no better value signing than two and a half million for a, a man that's already scored five goals in the league this season. No, definitely not. It's um, you know, it's it, it's definitely a a huge bargain. And it, you know, it seems it it's kind of come out of necessity. I don't know if the intention. You know, certainly from the fact that Roy wants to sign more forwards. I don't know if the intention was to have IU leading the line and, and being the main man. But again, that sometimes these little things happen and it just it just triggers a player into doing something special. And I have to say, I've not seen many better goals live. I don't know if I could honestly say I've seen a better goal live. I mean, I saw Ambrose's goal live at, at Old Trafford, um, which... But you know, it's it's hard, isn't it? Because it's the most recent thing, so you always think it it was the best thing you've ever seen, and until you start getting reminded of, of, of other great goals. But I mean, it's certainly up there, and it's it's got to be up there for the best goals he'll ever score as well. Um, so yeah, I don't know if it will uh, get as much attention as as Andros's, but we'll see. The only thing I wanted to say is, of course, I didn't get to see it live, just to kind of rub it in <laughs> to myself. <laughs> For people's amusement, um, but I saw the many goals that Neil Dan's scored for the Palace um, from random free kicks, which were just beautiful, and I'm happy with that. To be honest, 
<laughs> Why is Neil Downs coming to your mind? I love anyway, Neil never Downs. Mind. Um, love Neil Downs. All right. Well, can we yeah. nicely um, segue from the Ghanaian Messi um, to the Iranian Messi? Uh, because just before the show, we were discussing about which transfer rumours um, we'd mention on the pod. Um, and uh, Hanbo mentioned a guy that was called the Iranian Messi, but couldn't remember his name. So I googled it. Um, and the first result for Iranian Messi um, is Lionel Messi's Iranian doppelganger, Risa Paratesh, has denied tricking 23 women in his native country into speaking with him after taking on the Argentine football icon's identity to seduce them. So, um, yeah, that's, that's <laughs> the Iranian Messi after the uh, Ghanaian Messi. You would, wouldn't you? You know, if you, if you could. But, um, yeah, but... Actually, well, that's a whole can of worms. Let's not go down that road. Um, you know, funnily enough, Brighton signed Yakshanabash uh, or whatever, it is, however it's pronounced. Um, um, yeah, I'm not going to try again. Um, who who scored that uh, overhead kick recently? It was his first. Oh, is he the, first he's goal the, in Brighton the, colours? The least hateable Brighton player at the moment. Quite possibly, yeah. Um, but anyway, um, but yeah, he was the the Iranian Messi for a while, but. We've been linked with another one, and his name is, wait for it, Sardar Azmoun. Um, personally, can't can't see us signing that type of player because I, I don't really know where he would fit in to um, to the to the system that we play, unless we're going to sign enough players to completely change the system. And um, but there we go. But it's certainly certainly interesting to be linked to to that type of player for sure. Um, we've been linked to plenty of others, and I'm sure we'll talk more about those um, a little bit later on. But I guess it's probably time to move away from the, the brilliance of the West Ham display. Start talking about Southampton now. I I didn't go, but I know two gentlemen who did. So who wants to talk us through the, the trip to Southampton? Well, it was an unnecessarily early start. Um we decided to get the train up with, um, or train down, sorry, uh, with um, Paul, uh, aka the Homestale Kovatic's uh, Twitter handle uh, runner. Um, and we met at East Croydon at a ridiculous, or Clapham Junction at a ridiculously early time, considering it was a three o'clock kickoff, um, with a couple of train beverages. Um, ended up in. Uh, in the Yates's in the away pub. Uh, it was a very nice, very nice morning. Um, started started off well. It was a very nice afternoon as well. But um, unfortunately, um, the game did not end up. I, I felt that we we let ourselves down by not getting three points. I, I know Guaita at the end had a couple of amazing saves, but um, certainly from in the in the stadium, it looked as though we really should have put the game to bed earlier on. Um, and I heard a pundit say that Southampton should have beaten us, and I find that ridiculous because um, we played we played well, um, we played quick, exactly the kind of things you were you were saying were missing against Derby. Um, you know, fast paced moves, um, playing on the break against the side that had just beaten Chelsea two 0 I thought we 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 really it was, it was one of our better performances of the season, and I was gutted that we only got a point out of it. Yeah, definitely. I, I think the. Um... I think the the win, win against West Ham really sort of took us there on a high, and that was reflected in our play for sure. Um, definitely the better of the two two teams, without an absolute, without a doubt. 
And unfortunately, if, if Kelly doesn't have that aberration of just playing in Danny Ying, so, you know, what a season he's having. Um, obviously, Roy drawing to the attention the fact that he chose Southampton over us when he when he joined them. Um, he's never forgiven him for it, and I can see why. Um, incredible goal scoring this, this season. He's really getting back up to his sort of peak level of his powers after some terrible injuries. And um, it just shows you the value of having a, a striker who's that switched on. You know, when, when I saw the replays back, he was already moving and anticipating that pass back to the keeper before, well, or across the defence before it's even been played by Kelly. That's that's how he got there so quickly and had enough time to, to slot the ball home. Um, but definitely a, a very, very disappointing situation because we should have been, the game should have been dead and buried, really. I disagree with any of that. Um, I'm just going to hop back to the Yates's to be honest. Um, yeah, not like me to mention drink, but you know we, we had a really good time with a decent group of fans before we even got to the game, and then we got there, and at the ground there were. I mean, let's put it this way: definitely no one brings alcohol into the ground. Definitely no one brings alcohol into the ground. Um, there might have been one or two who did, and also. Um, it's now the time to mention the uh, inception of the brilliant Vicente Guaita song, um, which I know Hambo will have something to say about. Terrible. I knew Hambo Absolutely. would have something to say. He couldn't even wait till I'd finished mentioning it. Um, yeah, it's not brilliant. Um, I don't know, based on what you've seen or heard, whether you've seen the hand actions that go with it, but I mean they're every the, yeah, yeah I know hand you action have. For um, they're every bit as awful as the words, to be honest. Um, yeah, I'm kind of amused, and I love the fact that they've done that. But I mean, it's still awful. So yeah. Anyway, let's talk about the song. Um, I was just going to say I'd, I'd spoken on the way the way there that I'd had the terrible Jeffrey Schlupp 7-Up song in my head for about a week before that. Um, and then this Guaita song, um, I videoed it and stuck it up on Twitter um, and <laughs> it had been retweeted about 100 times. Um, uh, it was a, a small group of, uh, of gentlemen that had, uh, that were circle pitting and singing it and, and having a lovely time. Um, and yes, it, it really, you could see Hambo's anger from his words um, when he first mentioned it on WhatsApp. Um, but, you know, the, these are the kind of things that you get from um, Palace Away fans. And to be honest, um, Southampton fans didn't seem to like it because they, they clearly back themselves on, on being quite a lively stadium. Um, I don't remember that in the past, but they seem to have developed they developed past this one song that they always had, the fucking Saints Go Marching In song. You know, they, they seemed quite lively. Um, and they did, they did not like the fact that um, Palace were giving it back. So um, I think the, the vitriol on, in the stands seemed to spread on the pitch a little bit. And it, it seemed to, um, to give Southampton um, a bit of extra impetus. I know that they've been doing well recently anyway, but... Um, it, I, I was expecting a really flat atmosphere like it used to be. I was quite shocked. I mean, look, the, the, the Guaita song, for a start, 
I have no problem. I'm a fun guy. I like having fun, right? You know, I like to enjoy myself. And I, I do get, you know, I've been in many, many, many away crowds, some stupid songs that probably later on I've thought were a bit rubbish. But the, the, the truth of it is, the reason I hate it so much, other than it being happy clappy, and you guys know I don't like happy clappy songs. I don't like songs that make us sound like Charlton or Brighton fans. That's things that I detest. But you know what? If people are having fun and enjoying it, fine, I can live with it. It's mispronouncing both of his fucking names. And I'm, and I'm sorry to swear, everyone, but I am that angry about it. He's not called Vincent. He's called Bethente. And he's not called Guaita. He's called Guaita. So you're singing a song for a guy. He's like, oh, yeah. Oh, cheers, guys. Thanks for singing that song that mispronounces my name entirely. Cheers. God, dear. Just get it right. Yeah, as many people pointed out um, when we posted a video. Um, I think... The other thing I wanted to say in terms of songs, in terms of stories of what's happened over the last few weeks, um, the other thing was before the Brighton game, um, I, I and myself, uh, I and myself, I and Christopher uh, were coming out of uh, Box Park, um, getting on the train at East Croydon, and we were kettled in with we we managed to time it just just when the I'm not sure they're Brighton Ultras, but you know drunken Brighton away fans en masse uh, were coming into the um, into the station as well. So we got kettled in by the police with them. Um, they were singing, um, we were all having a party when Wilfred Zaha dies um, whilst we were standing in amongst them. Uh, one of our friends took offence, um, started shouting back, which I think was a really bad idea. Um, no, the police held him back for a bit. Um, told him it was probably in his best interest. <laughs> Uh, well, in his interest, he was separated from the Brighton fans. But um, yeah, for 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 all mispronunciations of uh, of Spanish players' names, um, at least yeah. uh, at least we're not singing that song because that was very uh, Yeah, well, you know they're they're a classy bunch, aren't they, the Brighton fans? We know that. Um, yeah, had some interesting experiences myself with those wonderful, wonderful, wonderful people. Uh, before we leave the Southampton game behind, I think it's worth visiting the armpits VAR call, isn't it? Um, uh, you know, we would have scored a first-half goal for a start. That would have been nice, wouldn't it? Um, and Zaha being called off in those circumstances was just insane, just absolutely insane. You know, I've been a huge advocate of VAR, but the problem is, you know, the technology is being rubbished by the fact it's being used so appallingly. And, you know, we, we'll talk about the Norwich game in a minute where, you know, things go the other way for us. But, you know, it's it's got to be it's got to be fine-tuned. You know, I was on, on Love Sport um, reviewing the game afterwards and, and I said, you know, similar. I said, you know, I'm not angry at VAR. I'm not angry at the fact it exists. I don't subscribe to the fact that it's not football anymore and all this kind of stuff. But the way it's being used just seems just idiotic. Um, and I think the only real way you can deal with it now is, as I've talked about before, just follow the cricket model, have specific reviews um, other than other, you know, when you're talking about borderline decisions, but other than obvious decisions, just don't touch it. Um, you know, the seat, they certainly don't touch it without going to look at the screen either. It's, it's a horrible, endless debate, but I thought in that particular circumstance, you know, you're, to, you're talking about someone measuring a line, off of a body shape, and they did a really good thing uh, in in the press about uh, Raheem Sterling's goal being disallowed as well. 
where it showed that the, f- the frame prior to the ball being hit and the frame after it, which they actually measured, it they gave the distance that Raheem Sterling had travelled and proved without question that the point at which he would have become offside happened between the frames. So VAR could not, in any legitimate circumstance, rule him on or offside based on the information that was presented. And when you see that, that's where you have to start questioning how the technology is just being used. And I was not aware of that before in terms of the, the distance between the frames. Um, so that's a worrying thing for me. And I think, you know, people are turning more and more against it now. How depressing is that? Um, I mean, that, that weekend, the, the Southampton game weekend, there was about four or five. And that, that was the weekend, I think, when even advocates of, of VAR, like myself, um, questions themselves um, but the the one thing there's a, a million debates on this um, and we you know we're not adding anything new the one thing I don't think gets mentioned very much um, and apologies if it does um, is you know I'm a, a massive cricket fan seasons ago older at Surrey etc um, and it, you know it's, it's great to have the, the reviews and that kind of thing but the, the one thing that cricket does have and I know the discussion is always that it's a static game um, with a specific time and place where the ball is at that particular second. So, you know, you can prove things in a way that you can't with football. But um, what they do have is umpire's discretion. So, um, you know, if, if if ball tracking doesn't quite know whether the ball is going to hit the stumps or not, they go with the umpire's decision. And in the same way... Um, you know, within reason, within, say, you choose, I don't know, the, the whole body being offside or, or whatever, you could you could say there's going to stick with the on-field decision in football as well. I, I, don't, I don't see why VAR has been absolutely destroyed because of these stupid decisions. And I looked at, but I, I watched the, the thing back and, and, and Zaha's arm was off. Um, fair enough. It, I, I think it was probably less marginal than some of the others this season. Um, very frustrating. It's his arm. You know, it, it's not part, he can't touch the ball with his arm, so it makes no sense. But, you know, we've had rub of the green some some games and it's gone against the Southers. Fine, I think all fans are getting used to that. But I just don't understand why, if a goal's given, it can't stay given when it's so minute. Um, and as you say, if it's getting to the point where the technology can't even deal with the speed of the players, then... Um, I could imagine this is going to be that that one season where we just have to deal with it, and over the summer they sort it out. But um, uh, there's talk that we're still in credit for it. I find that absolute bollocks. Yes, yeah, certainly. Well, it's, you know, at the very best, it's evened itself out. I mean, you know, you bring cricket up as as, as you know, more detail there as an as an example. And I think when you look at when a sport such as cricket which is, you know, lends itself to the kind of stop start and, and, you know, a bit of delay making decisions while people leave the field and whatever. You know, when they, even even they don't review everything, they review specifically referred decisions. I think that shows you that there's a way to, to incorporate technology into your sport that doesn't disrupt the sport. I think that's what's key. But, you know, we ain't going to solve it on this podcast, are we? But that's where I am with it. Probably worth mentioning the way that tennis deals with it where you've got one or two opportunities to say nah umpire i think you've got it wrong and you know if you're right fine that doesn't count against you but if you do then you've wasted your few opportunities Mourinho would waste that in three clearly but you know most people would 
be sparing in their choice of when they use that and that's mm. how it goes that's the way the tech should work for me but you know we'll see you're right chris it is worth mentioning that that happens in tennis it's exactly what happens in cricket as well as we've just talked about but it's worth mentioning it in not in quite the tennis. are there any other sports we could we could mention they use it for every they're... call when it comes to actual you know out or in don't they Maybe you know more about cricket than I do. I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm going to go with that. Mike definitely does. Anyway, let's um, let's not bicker about <laughs> cricket. Yeah, you facts know, are awkward, all good, aren't they? They are. Facts are very difficult, and you can prove anything with facts, can't you? Um, yeah, I love anyway, that phrase. So we got, <laughs> yeah, we got um, we got through the the Southampton game with a point. You know, it, it, you know, it, again, it just adds to the tally that we've got, which is still a very very good tally at this point in the season. Um, we probably are going through a series of games where we expected to pick up more points, but we've done relatively well before that. So we're still in a bit of credit in that sense. Uh, so DR and I uh, took a trip to Norwich. Uh, you were there as well, Chris. We didn't see you because we didn't frequent any uh, drinking establishments, but you were definitely there, um, I'm aware. Did see Tom Fancett, um, former producer, and just, you know, he lives in New York now. Yeah, there you go. How things change, eh? But anyway, he was over for the holiday period and saw him a bit as well, so that was good. Saw a few other people, met a couple of people who were big fans of the pod as well, which was great. It's always nice to meet you you guys out in the wild. Um, had an interesting journey to Norwich. I, you know, we haven't really got time to get into it all, but any journey of any length of DR is always um, a challenge in a wonderful way. Um, so I'll just give you the highlight question that he asked me in the car on the way to Norwich, which was, are there any rivers apart from the Thames? Yes. Yeah. He did follow it up with, why is the Thames a famous river? Um, but, you know, those are those are troubling things. But, um, yeah, so, you know, I, I, again, I always feel like he's football dad when I go to football with him. Um, I paid for him to play basketball in Hollywood Bowl as well. Which, uh, there was can a we video just, of that can we just on. go back to this? Can we? Yeah. So you said that quite nonchalantly. He thought there was only one river in the world. Yeah, no, and you're right to pick the world. He said, he, he, he said the world. So, I don't ever know 100% if he's serious, but he had, he didn't have a, a, a kind of amused look on his face. He, it seemed like it was a genuine question. Okay, so what does he think other bodies of water are? And, and, and it is, is like the Amazon or the Nile not, not famous? I mean, you're asking me, and really, it's just the unique mind of Dr. Kernas, isn't it? I, okay. I I pointed out the River Nile to him, and he said, "Oh, they don't call that the river, though. They call it the Nile, don't they? They just call it the Nile. It's not a river." And at that point, I changed the subject. Denial. He's in denial. Right. Well, well done, Chris. Hey. Well done. Congratulations. Well, Nick's not here. I have to do it for him. Okay, let's go. Don't have to. No one has yeah, to. Yeah, they do. Um, but but good good game in a way, Norwich. It's it's weird, you know, the difference between going ahead and being pegged back versus the difference between going behind and, and pegging them back. Um, it always leaves you with that that feeling. It just feels like a win, in particular the way it happened. Um, but this again, this is perhaps another uh, dominated by VAR game um, in in a shame, really. But you know, we didn't actually play too badly, but we did start the game treating Norwich as if they were the best team in the in the division. We stood right off them. Um, other than the opening kind of two minutes where we actually sort of had a bit of a go, 
we then immediately sort of sat back and it cost us very, very quickly. But from the stands, from my angle, it looked like Campwell was a mile offside. And I didn't even, I just went, ah, he's offside, don't worry about it, guys. And I was so confused. I mean, obviously Kelly was playing him on, but you know, we couldn't see that. You know, Kelly looked way out of the picture from, from our angle. But it didn't even come up on the screen as it being reviewed. So immediately you get this huge distrust while aren't even bothering to review it with VAR. They should review it as a matter of course. Um, so we always sort of got really, really angry in the stands with the whole thing. Um, but yeah, terrible goal to concede. A L- little bit unlucky because it's a deflected pass that ends at his feet. He finishes quite well um, and does a silly little dance at the end of it, which means I now hate him and will hate him forever. Um, but disappointing. Came back well, though. Um, and uh, I'll talk more about the goal, but Chris, you, you want to yeah, jump let's in? Let's start with the goal. So, and there, there's a bit of a ridiculous story before this. So, um, you've not yet met my mate, former fireman Ian. Um, he told me, oh, I've got this brilliant shortcut to the ground. Well, it turned out that after 10 minutes walking through the cathedral grounds, there's a gate that shuts and it shuts when it gets dark. And that's about the time that we were walking through. So it was shut. So we then had to walk back 10 minutes, then walk to the station, then get a taxi. So we arrived about two and a half minutes in. You were mentioning these two minutes where we were doing quite well. Brilliant. Um, We arrived two minutes and a half. We got into our seats, having negotiated with people who were in them, previously and then saw the ball go to the net and oh it was sickening i mean i i really want to hear what patrick's got to say and i'm it's gutting he's not on the show tonight but i'm sure we're going to get his comments and yeah that's just classic really yeah well i mean well done i mean it's more evidence in the superstition area of things that you not only well it's just basically you should never go to games I mean, whenever you're within visual range, we're either conceding, and when you're outside of visual range, we're scoring. So keep away, all right, for the good of the club, till we're safe from Noted, comrade. Away. You know, you, you, want to, you, you want to stay in the pub anyway, admit it. So just, just stay there. God. I mean, could, could we do a crowdfunding right. for this? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that's a great show. I'm up I'll, I'll stay there as well. <laughs> we can do a crowdfunding. Um, <laughs> so look, um, we we obviously got back into the game through through Connor Wickham's goal, which conversely to the uh, the opener for Norwich looked all all day offside and was was flagged accordingly. Um, and it was it, it, this is where I mean people criticise VR and say it's ruining the game and you don't know to celebrate and whatever. This is where it actually has genuinely added something. And I've seen the videos of the Norwich fans saying that we've sold our soul because we were we'll celebrating try and, and all that and chanting VAR. But when you, but when we're um, so you know, dear and I, dear and I were chatting, and there's a I can't remember the guy, the guy next to me, I can't remember his name, unfortunately, sorry, mate, but um, he was chatting as well, and we're, we're talking about, and we're like, oh, it's way offside, way offside, and like, dear, I was like, no, they're, they're checking it. I was like, oh yeah, yeah, but you know, it, you could see it, he was off, and the longer it went on, we all started, you could just feel it in the crowd, the tension started building because we're like, well, they wouldn't be looking at it this long if it wasn't close. So it's obviously closer than it looked. And it just built and built and built. And people were starting to laugh and could feel that it was going to get changed. We were watching the ref and he walks up to a couple of the Norwich players and starts chatting to them a little bit. And we're like, oh my God, he is definitely overturning this. 
So we're all poised and ready. And as soon as he, he does the gesture and blows the whistle, we just went absolutely crazy. It's just, you know, it was almost more intense than celebrating a, a goal as it happens. It was absolutely, and the added bonus of winding up the Norwich fans just made it such a great experience. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, and you could see the players loved it as well, loved the fact that they could re-celebrate a goal uh, in enthusiastic fashion. And the all-access clip from Palace where they show James McCarthy getting in Tim Krull's face and calling him some names uh, as he came and had a go at us for celebrating, that that was all the more satisfying as well. So actually a fantastic end to the game and it, it made for a you know an enjoyable um you know, journey back talking about how well we'd done to get back into it and how funny it was to wind up the Norwich fans. So I had a I had a great day out um, for a New Year's Day away trip. So thoroughly enjoyed it. Great point. I was about three or four rows back. So looking across at the reactions of some of the Norwich fans, I mean, obviously, you know, in retrospect, we've seen the videos as well, but you could you could see it because we we'd got people. It was like West Ham again, just pointing downwards at us, like we, you know, we were getting relegated, and it's like you, you're bottom of the league, mate. And so they were doing that at us before the goal, and when when the goal went in, initially, obviously, you know, they're giving it one thing, and then it wasn't looking good. It really wasn't looking good for them, and. When it was given, oh, the the riots in their place and in ours it was just, it was wonderful. I tell you what, staying in the hotel next door was a special experience that night. I was going to come in there, but you've got to explain why it was a special experience. You, you can't just you can't just stop there. I mean, that's that's teasiness. That's sounds creepy. If anything, yeah, a little bit. You, you got to give you got to be more specific. Let me just say though, before that. Um, that was so. That was Pierre, for whatever reason. That was Hodgson's first time of bringing Pierre on, um, and I think well worth the the comments he was getting and the excitement from all around afterwards. Um, he he looks he looks like he's going to develop in a in a similar way to sort of some of the players that we saw when we were back in the championship. Um, you know, when they're given a chance, they can really create something a bit special. Um, he, he probably still very raw talent, and you could see that he, his defensive duties are still at the back of his mind um, against Derby. But um, I feel like we're going to see something IU-esque from Pierrick at some point soon. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he's, he's definitely worth talking about. We talked, obviously, started against Derby. Not really the best of games for him to play in, uh, but was very, very positive in that game as well. But his impact off the bench against Norwich, I think, probably shows the way to use him and. I suppose I had other little frustration that, you know, Roy's chosen that time when we've got 10 minutes to go, a whole bunch of injuries and we're losing a game we shouldn't be losing. That's the time where he's, he actually takes the choice to be bold, as he called it, and, and, and use a player like that off the bench. Well, you know, to me, that's what the bench is there for. It's certainly in modern football, it's to use your squad, give people opportunities, give them minutes here and there to get used, you know, play, you know, Pierrick, for example, you want him to get used to the players that play in the first team in a, in a, in an environment where it matters. It's not, not just on the training ground. You can see there's talent there. Um, and the fact that he went, I think it really helped him that he was being chucked on 
when we were just going for it because he was chucked on and told to play roughly central, which he did. Um, and he just had the freedom to do what he wanted to do. There was no, this is your game plan. This is what you have to do defensively. It was just go on, have an impact, see what you can do. And the fact that he had a, a real hand in the goal. And it's great strength for him as well because the ball's sort of pinballing around all over the place and you think the chance has gone and it gets nodded back in towards him. And he just bodies the defender and just keeps him behind him. And, you know, it's a big old defender behind him. And he takes the ball down on his chest, moves it away quickly. And then, he's, you know, he's turned and he's facing goal in, in one movement. That's a, not an easy skill to do, especially when you're fresh off the bench in your first game for the first team. Then to have the sort of presence of mind to play Zaha in the way that he did. Absolutely brilliant. Um, and obviously it results in a goal. And those are the things that, you know, people talk about with this, this low-risk approach from Roy. We love to see that. And particularly when it's a, an academy player that's coming off the bench and doing it, they get that little bit of extra support from the from the fans anyway. But it's all the more special when they do play well and they do have an impact. And that that's galvanised us in the past. You know, this is what you're referring to, Mike, when we've seen players come through. You know, when, it's, when they're our players, it really does give that link between the fans and the team and, and it just it just adds so much and I don't think you know let's say we'd have at a, at a more fit squad and it was Townsend coming off the bench and doing that not that I'm trying to disrespect Townsend but I don't think he makes that impact because I think he comes on and plays the way that Roy's always got him playing um, so brilliant to see and I really hope that we see more of it you know Woods came off the bench due to Riedewald's injury playing at left back totally out of position but I thought we had a really good few minutes defensively as well uh, against Derby. So more use of that that youth without it, not, without it being forced upon us. I think I really like to see it. Um, but I un- well, there we go. Every single game over the holiday period covered. Um, and it was, you know, I think the theme was very much um, football over the holidays, you know, drink, confusion, bad performances, good performances, uh, injuries and all that kind of stuff. But we're in a, another interesting period for for football in the new year which is the transfer window that sort of time of year where everyone gets annoyed that we haven't signed with someone on the 1st of January and then gets increasingly more and more annoyed every day calls for all of the board to resign calls for us to sign all players and no players and generally speaking just work themselves up into a frenzy my favorite time of year I have to say we've talked about one rumor already Mike what else have we got do you think hey well I suppose let's get out of the way, um, the one that none of us want to talk about, um, Zaha and Chelsea Ramos, obviously, they've had their transfer ban um, shortened. They're available to sign people. And really, um, there's only a couple of bits of information that have come out of it. First of all, the times um, at 12.01 on New Year's Day, um, 12 or 1 a.m. on New Year's Day, um, posted that he was probably on his way to Chelsea. Then uh, I think the same day, uh, Lampard sort of pissed on those rooms a bit, saying that there was no particular plan for Zaha, um, although the words didn't say they weren't going to go for him. Um, but then more recently than that, uh, last last day or so, um, uh, news that apparently isn't that new, um, but has come out now as though it is. Um, Wilf's changed his agent um, to Pini Zahavi, Piney Zahavi, um, which apparently is is bad news. Um, 
Now, I, I don't believe this is such a new story, considering um, otherwise he'd have been without an agent for a fair old period of time. So it seems like a, a bit more than a coincidence that the, the start of the transfer window opens and suddenly he changed his agent. I think it's more um, the news wanting to discuss that. So let's have a quick um, thought on Zaha and Chelsea. Well, first of all, um, Pini Zavi is... You know, has really strong links with Chelsea, um, which is why potentially um, this this has all come about, and how why Chelsea are being linked quite so strongly. You know, Lampard's denial was an interesting one. So I didn't necessarily expect him to sort of flat out say they weren't in for the player. Um, I probably would have expected him to sort of play down and say, you know, we don't want to talk about other teams' players, blah blah blah. But he was interestingly quite specific in that answer. However, the the links haven't gone away. Um, he's been on their radar for, for quite some time. Uh, and the general consensus is, had they not had the ban in the summer, they would have moved from in the summer. You know, I look at their team, and I think it's interesting where he would exactly fit in. And they talked about his age and all that kind of stuff as well, the fact that he, you know, he's a more senior player. But when you look at Chelsea, that's actually what they need. Um, you know, they've, they've got a handful of senior pros, but they, you know, they've got lots of attacking talent, but it's they're all very young. And as we know, young players are subject to sort of dips in form um, at any moment and need to be kind of nurtured quite carefully. Um, you know, Zaha is is coming to peak now. Um, and I think really is some fortunate I don't want to lose him and we got a horrible <laughs> look against Derby, what it might look like not to have Wilfred Zaha available um, in an injury hit squad. Um, certainly takes our give it to Zaha and see if he can do anything tactic away from us. Um, but I think it's a move that he would want and I still, you know, my gut says that Chelsea do want him. Um, but as always, we are in a position of strength with the contract that he has and the money that he's worth to us. Um, so there is always going to be that question of whether or not even someone like Chelsea are going to be prepared to invest the kind of money that it's going to take to get him. And you think you'd expect a player of that, you know, if you're investing that sort of money, you want to get three, four years out of him minimum. And, you know, when they come to that point, he's 31 and the value of selling him on is very low. So it's, if they're concerned with that sort of thing, you know, they, that's what they might be thinking about some younger targets perhaps. But I'm definitely concerned and, you know, it's clear that Wilf does want to try and force that move. And, and having an agent of that reputation suggests it's going to be a very, very tough window um, to try and hang on to him. But, and this is a really kind of personal point that, you know, if I ever, ever have a son, hello, ladies, if I ever have a son, that um, he will be called Wolf, subject to agreement by the lady. Said. Um, although, you know, that's kind of non-conditional. So um, the thing being, I, I'll be gutted, gutted, as we all will, if he leaves. And yet I do not, hold that against him at all. He deserves to play at the top level. Chelsea can be that top level for him. If they're willing to pay the money that we need to let him go, then fair enough. Good luck. And I really hope he does well and that he gets the opportunity to play at the level that he deserves to play. Um, I hope it gives us the opportunity to buy the players we need. Um, you know, replacement is not the right word because, as Hambo has just said, um, today's game against Derby has just been a, an absolutely horrific demonstration of 
um, where we would be if we didn't have that outlet and that option. So I, I don't want him to go. I really wish he would never go, and yet he deserves the right to go. And, you know, I I love the guy, and I want him to do that. So, um, yeah, that, that's the main point there. But I'm not looking forward to him going at all. I mean, this is getting on to be a fairly lengthy pod already. Um, but obviously, we've had five games to cover. Um, but, you know, it, it's it's fairly noticed that after an hour, people tend to turn off. And then we talk about Wilf leaving. That's obviously going to make more people turn off. And then we talk about Chris procreating. Um, by that point, uh, I'm surprised if anyone else is listening. Um, let's... let's, uh, let's- <laughs> let's let's leave Wilf uh, there. Talk about the the, the one transfer rumor that's been really hot the last couple of days. Um, Saint Tosin, um, the rumor is on loan for for six months. Just going to take you back to 2017. Uh, a quote from the man himself about my transfer to Crystal Palace. I can say that I'm very happy the move failed. I get to stay at the club, and I'm doing very well at the moment. This is a man that didn't want to come here before. Um, apparently, Roy's very interested in. Um, and I think in typical Roy's style, um, if there's rumours about Batshuayi still being an option for a loan uh, or Tosin, it's only be one of them. It's going to be him, isn't it? Let's be honest. Yeah, no, it's an it's a it's an interesting one. Obviously, from a scouting perspective, you know we've identified him as a player that would fit the system, and that presumably would have also, you know, there would have been some sign off from Roy for us to go and start making bids. So, you know, obviously Roy has seen him and must rate him to a point. But I think, you know, his performances in in the Premier League have have not been great. Um, it's difficult. We don't watch, you know, I certainly don't watch Everton games week in, week out. So I have no idea, you know, when he was starting, just what the reasons were for him not scoring the goals that he was expected to score. Obviously, I think Allardyce who signed him, wasn't it? And, um, perhaps the fact that the manager changed quite soon after might have had an impact, but he certainly didn't light the league up. And, you know, the comments that he made were never going to endear himself to Palace fans. And, you know, we don't forget these things, do we? Um, you know, it was almost instantaneously of it being him being linked on uh, in the papers and it coming out on Twitter. You know, hundreds of replies saying, "Well, you know, he can forget it. Don't want him at our club. He didn't want to be here last time. Doesn't want to be here now." And I think you have to kind of expect that, but also you you want to you want to give the manager and the staff the opportunity to get the players that they want without deciding that you hate someone because of what they said in the press a while ago. You know. Lots of players say stuff for different reasons. Perhaps he was stupid. Perhaps he never thought, you know, perhaps he thought he'd go to Everton and he'd never have to to take a, a sort of sideways or downward step at any point because um, he would just be a huge success and perhaps he's just backing himself when he's a confident guy and that's maybe what we need. But there's good physicality there. When he played against us relatively recently, he came off the bench and I thought he affected the game very well. Um, but we don't have... An embarrassment of riches up front, and we don't get. We shouldn't really be quite so picky and petty about these kinds of things. You know, if he's prepared to to sort of sign for us on on loan with a potential permanent move, then we we should really just judge him on what he does in a Palace shirt. Easy to say, I know, and I know people have got their hearts set on Batshuayi, also linked with a loan with us. But 
just talk of a five million pound fee just to have him for six months, and you know that doesn't that even even as well as he did, it just doesn't feel like the sort of thing that we'll do. So he might be who we end up with. That would be double the cost of Jordan Ayew permanently. Um, just the final words on St. Tyson. Um, so this morning on Twitter, we put out a poll, St. Tyson on six-month loan. Are you keen? Definitely 7.8% of you. Worth a punt, 35.4% of you. And a simple nope. 56.8% of you. That's a fair amount of votes. So um, whatever we say, I think the general consensus is you'd have to you'd have to impress you if you're sitting there with your arms folded at Celeste. Absolutely right. Um, we also linked with uh, Jaden Bogle, weren't we? So um, that's an interesting one because he played against us today. I don't know if either of you two, two gents noticed him uh, right back. I had a little bit of a look. Um, thought he was... Quite positive going forward. See a great cross today as well, um, annoyingly. Um, little bit, um, perhaps a little bit naive positionally at times. He's quite a young lad. Um, so, yeah, he got caught, caught out of position a couple of times, a couple of sort of latest challenges. Um, but I, I think he looks a looks a very good player. I can see why we're in for him. Um, there's a lot of great right-backs about young, young right-backs at the moment, uh, for whatever reason. Um, I certainly wouldn't be against this one. And um, yeah, so I'll uh, I'll leave that one there. Uh, all I would say is um, what I've read about him is he's solidly played for Derby now for um, eighteen months or so with with pretty much no gaps. Um, so a player without it injury records is is certainly welcome. Yeah, for sure. Um, there are other rumours. I'll just do names rather than sort of go through them. We're linked with uh, Casey Palmer, who's a Young ex-Chelsea midfielder playing for Bristol City at the moment. has been linked with him in the press. Uh, Google away if you're interested in knowing a bit more about him. Uh, we were also linked with um, Christoph Plycek, uh, Plycek, sorry, It's very difficult to pronounce, um, who's a striker at AC Milan, although apparently he doesn't want to go anywhere. Repeated links with uh, Shalov, of course, um, with apparently Brighton and Chelsea now in the... Um, in the mix for him too. Jared Bowen, who's doing extremely well at Hull and would be a very, very good signing, has also been linked um, with us too. Uh, I'm, I'm sure many, many others too that I haven't listed there. And just a quick note to the, the fact that every, it happens every transfer window. Lots of people talking about the fact that we should go for Glenn Murray. How do you, uh, how do you feel about that one, guys? Go for the old Glenn Murray there. Uh, well, I mean, Kevin Phillips was 40 uh, when he scored that goal, wasn't he? So. Yeah, he was, yeah, yeah, yeah. Start playing some crosses in and then maybe it'd be worth. Yeah, exactly. He's not really the, the mobile front man for our system. But as I say, I live in hope that maybe we'll, um, we'll start changing the system to six players at times as well. Anyway, I think that'll do, wouldn't it, Mike? That was enough. I would think I'd arguably say slightly more than enough. Yeah, well, you want to give them no. You're supposed to leave them wanting more, aren't you? Uh, that is um, uh, why. Yeah, that is my uh, philosophy for my wife. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, obviously, thank you very much for listening. Um, obviously, we are working our way back to full match fitness, um, but um, the preview show should be back during the week, as well as the Love Sport show. Love Sport 
has now moved to Wednesday nights if you want to listen live on uh, their now national digital footprint and all that kind of business. Um, but um, preview show, I guess, will be on the Thursday and we'll be back to review the Arsenal game. Hopefully record that on the late on the Sunday, I think, is the plan, but we shall see. Um, but yeah, brilliant. Check out DR's YouTube videos. Check out the Back of the Nest channel, um, all our socials. And if you ever want to email us, it's hi at backofthenest.com. Thank you very much. Speak to you soon. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.